Dodi, today I want to talk really big picture and then refocus on the industry of biopharma itself. How so? Well, by looking at the big picture through some of the industry surveys that are out there. Okay, so those big reports that look at issues within the industry and come to some really smart conclusions. Exactly. And these really are worth reading. I mean, there's a lot of content in them, um, but they give you really good insight into where the industry is going, the possible solutions that might emerge, and show us what the future of bioscience and biopharmaceuticals might be. And that's really what matters on today's episode of Discovery Matters. It's a big topic, and I have a feeling we're going to come around to every day being a school day. So where do we start, Connor? Well, why don't we start with someone from whom I've learned an awful lot over the years, our friend Furman Gauss, Cytiva's marketing director in Asia Pacific. I'm actually a scientist by training, a PhD in tropical diseases. So I've known that supply of medicines has always been a challenge, and it has been a challenge for many decades. So one day, Furman was having dinner at a restaurant with a friend of his who happens to be a journalist for a well-known publication, and they were talking about this difficulty of when it comes to supplying medicines. And how it pertains to the industry today and how we understand those dynamics. We were discussing this, and there's many indices for various other things that people look at to measure. But the discussion we had around this particular topic is a very relevant one. My experience told me that different countries do look at these things differently. And so as we were sitting down thinking through this, we were discussing what would be the best way to measure these, these dynamics. And this discussion eventually led to the Biopharma Resilience Index and its five pillars that we're so interested in. Okay, so this is Saitiva's own industry report. What are the five pillars? Okay, so yes, we're shilling our own content here, but this is really good stuff and we wouldn't shill it if we didn't think it was worth paying attention to. So the five pillars. Supply chain resilience, talent pool, R&D ecosystem, manufacturing agility, and government policy and regulations. And then the main findings of the Biopharma Resilience Index are... The index showed us that there's a few take-homes. Talent is probably the number one challenge that the industry faces uh, across the world. And ability to collaborate through its R&D systems was the other big take-home that we saw as two major take-homes. The other take-home is that government policy is very good, generally speaking, and we notice that manifests itself in a few countries, in particular China, Russia and India. Okay, as you said, Connor, we're shilling our own content, but Saitiva must also have a response to this information. Absolutely. So there's no point in doing research and then not responding to it. I mean, that's why you do research, right? So Furman says that he's spent a lot of time talking to the market uh, about the findings in the index, and he's had some mixed responses. Some say it's great that our country's doing well. Others say, ah, we should really try to address some of the issues highlighted here. So we've talked to various governments and various customers in the regions. Okay, so there are other indexes out there, right? Oh, yeah. So how does our Biopharma Resilience Index compare and contrast with some of the other huge reports out there? 
with this report, we looked at quite a diverse set of criteria. We augmented qualitative and quantitative data here, and we got leading industry experts to also speak on the matter that we had in hand. So we covered the whole breadth of what may be factors for resilience. The spectrum went all the way through from young talent to support and the industry, all the way through to how well manufacturing could be maintained. Okay, okay, so we know Furman, he's part of our team, but I think we should leave Furman for a moment and leave the resilience index and, and look at what else is on the reading list. Absolutely, let's do that because reading widely is what leads us to better insight. Good, so I think we're gonna now turn to Eric Langer. So much like Furman's Biopharma Resilience Index, everything you need to know about the biopharma industry is in the Bioplan report. Okay, so let's get the backstory on the Bioplan report. Was this cooked up over dinner at a restaurant as well? Well, the Bioplan is kind of like the granddaddy of reports. It is many, many, many pages, that's for sure. It's a lot of reading, right? And it's look, it's worth it. Um, If you really want to get under the skin of the industry, this is where you go. It started about 18, 19 years ago. The industry was starting to experience a significant capacity crunch. And if you recall back then, everybody was talking about the chicken little, the sky is falling. There's no capacity and all bad things will happen. Oh, I remember that panic well. We were seeing companies and investors truly trying to dump investments because they felt that they wouldn't be able to meet the industry's demand. So we figured what we could do is simply using fairly basic tools, go out there and assess what percent capacity people were at back then and compare that, for example, to the industry norm for all industries, where there are a number of studies that provide industry-wide analysis of uh, capacity utilization. So we felt that that would be a reasonable thing to do in this small segment, and we did it, and uh, we realized that there were other questions we needed to ask as well, and every year it got bigger and bigger and bigger, so now it's up to 500 pages, and the text font gets smaller and smaller each year. The page thickness gets thinner so we can still continue to send it out. And many of the years we decide that we cannot continue to ask the same questions, of course. So they cover dozens and dozens of different topics from adoption rates of new technologies to demand on on the parts of suppliers for introduction of novel technologies. And Eric says that all these topics relate to capacity. The single most important trend in this industry has been for the last couple of decades focus on manufacturing efficiency and productivity. Okay, history might be repeating itself here. Yeah, we're doomed to repeat it, aren't we? How do you mean? Well, Eric's talking about supply chain constraints 18 years ago. And you only have to open a newspaper, or I guess who reads newspapers now, but you only have to check online, look at your news sources, turn the TV on to see that That's what's happening all over again. Yes, exactly. But Eric says that this time it's a little different. Back then, it was capacity constraints as it relates to the ability to manufacture something. Now, the issue is capacity constraints as a result of the supply chain not being able to provide one link of that chain, whether it be a vial stopper or uh, a buffer or a supplier that uh, that's providing a service related to a particular type of plastics, film manufacturing, can stop everything. 
And unfortunately, because of COVID, we've experienced that discontinuous manufacturing challenge and and many of the supply chain factors and issues that we think we knew were safe are not necessarily that, that the case. The issues of onshoring and uh, bringing manufacturing back to a domestic base are coming to the fore. Uh, but nobody is solved, as far as we can tell right now, nobody seems to be solving actively solving those issues yet. The issues are still being formed, so the answers are still pending. I heard Eric say earlier that this report started when the biopharma industry was much smaller. And we've seen, especially during 2020 and 2021, that the vocabulary of the biotechnologist has really come to our kitchen tables. Yes, it's amazing, right, isn't it? I mean, I I was having a conversation yesterday evening in an Uber with somebody in the telecoms industry, and they knew what mRNA was. People can... People know the names and manufacturers of their vaccines. I mean, that's never happened before. So what does Eric think about this level of common knowledge? I think one of the things COVID has brought forward is the impact that biotechnology can have on the global population, really. Everybody gets touched by this, literally. And the fact that we're seeing this industry solve this problem, I think, is a testament to the industry's resolve, the background it's had. Uh, We did a study last year on impact of COVID on manufacturing, and one of the comments we got from one of the respondents was essentially something along the lines, this industry has been preparing for uh, pandemics for the last 20 years, so this is no surprise. By preparing for it, we've been able to meet this need in an amazingly rapid fashion. So I, I think what we're seeing is the industry just living up to its own expectations over the last number of decades to be able to meet the needs of this pandemic. On top of that, uh, people, when we've talked with literally hundreds, if not thousands of people in this industry, we find that there's an amazing, remarkable dedication to healthcare and public health. And as a result, what we've seen in our interviews, doesn't matter if you talk about somebody on the manufacturing floor or somebody on the clinical side of it, they probably enter this field quite possibly early in their career because of the desire to do something good. And I think what we're seeing is people that are dedicating hours and hours of overtime and sequestering their own personal lives to manufacture these vaccines or therapeutics or diagnostics or or personal protection equipment or polypropylene, people are saying, I'm stepping up. And I think that's one of the most uh, remarkable things uh, we've seen uh, resulting from this, uh, the crisis, but it's just part of the industry's dynamism, I think. So we were talking earlier about the Biopharma Resilience Index and some of those results. Now that the Bioplan report is in its 18th year, what are some of the results in that report? Well, Eric says that one of the biggest themes he sees is the evidence of continuity and strength in the industry. While COVID pops up as the major factor, it doesn't change the order, for example, in one of the questions we've asked, which, which is something along the lines of what is the biggest single trend you're seeing in this industry segment? And of course, COVID and the impact of COVID shows up right at the very top. Everything else just gets pushed down. And so when we were looking at the remaining trends, they were similarly in the order they were in prior years. There were just not as many people saying this is my number one trend. For instance, productivity and efficiency took a nosedive. 
because many people who were focusing on productivity and efficiency are now focusing on fixing supply chain issues or sh shortage of single-use technology issues. And that's become what keeps literally keeps them up at night. Connor, I'm really longing for the customer perspective right now. So customers who are so integral to these kinds of reports and surveys, it's their voices that add up to the conclusions that are made in this report. So Exactly. And we are nothing if we're not market oriented in our approach to everything that we do. So here we go. Hi, uh, I'm Richard Wong, I'm the CEO of uh, Nucleo Biotherapeutics. Uh, we do the cell therapies for uh, oncology and, and a cancer treatment. So Dr. Wang is a Cytiva customer and what we call in the industry a key opinion leader. And for him, the talent issue is the most important factor and something that he focuses on when he's reading through indexes like Bioplan and the Biopharma Resilience Index. We are doing something very innovative and we're working on new modality. I do think uh, uh, talent continues to be a very big issue for us, especially operating in China, which does not have a long history of developing novel medicines or therapies. Of course, the pandemic doesn't help that either because it's almost stopped the people across the board to having this kind of a uh, opportunities to maybe coming back to work in a small startup company like us or going out to have a opportunity to get more trainings. So where does Dr. Wang find this talent? He says he has to either look outside of China or put in the effort in China to develop it himself. That means it may take a longer time. It may need a more patient to develop those uh, talent. But in terms of reaching out, Dr. Wang says he has seen a rise in headhunting. It's really booming. So there's no way that you don't have a, a chance to reach out. Rather, the, that you often with one t available talent, there are multiple headhunt service try to arrange to have that kind of a conversation and interview. And in fact, Furman says it was talent specifically that he wished we had covered a little bit better in the Cytiva Biopharma Resilience Index. Talent pool number and availability is clearly there, but diversity within that talent pool, how do you make the most of the available talent pool within a country or internationally, wasn't looked at in detail. I think the other area that I reflect upon where the index perhaps isn't so strong is funding and capital flows. As we know, there are pockets of biotech innovation around the world and capital flows tend to align very closely with that. And that's something that isn't captured in the index. Okay, so like you promised at the start of this episode, we've gone big picture to detail from our report to someone else's and then to a customer. How do we sum all this up? Well, for Eric, through all the technical terms and statistics, it all comes down to, in the end, people. And 
honestly, Dodi, isn't that what we love about the, this industry? It's the people in it. It's the expertise that they have. Let's hear what Eric says. This industry really is not about technology or adoption of a single use or a modular. We can see in so many different ways, much of it's the human aspect of this. And so one of the issues, one of the chapters in our study is things like hiring and training. And what we found is one of the, one of the biggest constraints to growth in this industry is availability of really smart people to take on the responsibilities for a rapidly growing industry. We've seen the challenges of hiring grow consistently. And in our graph, it's just remarkable how consistent that growth goes year after year in terms of the inability to find the right people in specific areas. If you can't develop your process, you can't create a life-saving biologic or drug. So it becomes a people issue here. So put the BioPlan report on your reading list if you haven't checked it out yet. Put the Biopharma Resilience Index on your reading list if you haven't checked it out yet. And please send us stuff that you think we should be reading to keep up to date with what's going on in your part of the industry. The more we share, the better we get, the better the industry gets, the more impact we can make as a community for patients. So true. Thank you for listening to this episode of Discovery Matters. Discovery Matters executive producer is Andrea Killen and was produced with the help of Bethany Grace Armit Brewster. Editing, mixing and music by Tom Mas Henley and Banda Production. My name is Dodie Axelson. My name is Connor McKechnie. <laughs> 